I'm on the track. You know how we do it, man. Oh, boy, CDP, CDP, no. Hey, you. Thanks to the man T-Rex, the Live by Terrence Network, 
and all the tailgaters around the world. But you know, but you know how we do it. We're gonna first we're gonna do this do this devotional real quick and then we're gonna then we're gonna get right into it. So uh this devotional is actually a really good one. It's from our friends at InTouch Ministries. Uh it's from Psalms from Psalm thirty two verses eight and ten. Um it's called Divine Truth. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with mine eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. The Lord doesn't swoop down to pull us out of difficult situations. So how does he rescue and help us? Today's verses remind us that when we don't know which way to turn, the word of God says light on the trouble we are facing and gives us divine instruction. His truth with all the knowledge we need. The challenge then is how we apply what, what he has taught us. It's interesting that God says he will guide us with his, with his eye, as in, as in uh, Psalm 32, 8. Isn't that just what fathers do? We've all experienced being aware of a parent's or teacher's watchful eye and understanding the message that person was trying to convey through a certain look or expression. I know that from a personal standpoint, just seeing my mom's face. But there I digress. Perhaps we've even communicated instructions or sentiments that way ourselves. God does not shout at us or send new epistles from heaven when he wants to instruct us. More often, he quietly but precisely guides us through situations by showing us the truth of scripture. Sometimes the Holy Spirit prompts us in the right direction too. Either way, when God speaks to us, we need to listen and be still for a while with that information. Otherwise, we'll face the temptation to handle matters in our own way and time frame instead of his. Remember that when the Heavenly Father wants to lead you through something, it's not simply to get you out of trouble. It's to teach you obedience and to transform you into the likeness of His Son. When you yield to Him, you will be able to rejoice in the midst of your troubles, knowing that He will bring you through them. Knowing that He will bring you through them. A little bit of food for thought for everybody. Kind of wake up call for myself, actually, in a personal sense. But we're going to take this quick station break. We'll be right back. We're going to right into it. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to the to the press box and the tailgate crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is back in the building, back home in the press box, and been going through some things here lately. We're, we're trying to get back in school, you know. Just just gonna give you a little catch up real quick before we get started, man. Just been in and out, trying to trying to make things happen for myself. With my man T Rex and, and the admin Wendy, but now we're back at it. We're gonna be blogging more. We're gonna be talking to you more. We're gonna be back at it. So just uh just a little heads up. We ain't gone nowhere, and we ain't going nowhere. Just letting you know that right now. Shout out to the shout out to the man Torrance Rudd. I'll be on my praise, and yeah, I'm always on my praise, man. God bless you, and uh. Keep doing, keep doing a good thing, man. Keep fighting a good fight. Also, man, if you want to get in shape, yo, check this dude out. Check this dude out on his Facebook page. So, with all that being said, it's been a wild and crazy last few weeks in sports, man. From Daniel Cormier winning, winning the heavyweight championship, UFC being a two division world champion right now, the second man in less than in less than two years to do that behind Conor McGregor, which I hope he comes back pretty soon. But a lot of people have been asking me here here lately because I watch a lot of MMA and I've been around the sport for a long time. They want to know what my thoughts about Daniel Cormier is. Is he one of the greatest fighters ever to fight in the UFC? And my answer to that is, of course. Any guy who can win championships in two divisions is an automatic Hall of Famer on that ballot right now. And the fact that he did it at 39 years old and he did it in a way that he did it, heavy hands, one-punch knockout power, something that you just that you didn't see from him at the lighter weight because – Dare I say he was draining himself a little bit? I mean, that seems like what it could what could have been. But he still had the punching power at 205. But it wasn't like what you saw at heavyweight. Wondering. With all that being said, and the return of Brock Lesnar to the UFC, who just put himself back into the USADA, 
drug drug program for testing makes one wonder: Will this fight happen in December? As remember, will this fight happen super super Sunday, super Saturday? As rumored, can this can this be on the December 29th card? As rumored, those are yet to be seen because Daniel Cormier actually broke a finger during the fight. During the fight with Stipe Miocic, um, does not need surgery, but does need time to heal. So, what am I waiting on at this point? Simple. I'm waiting on that next guy that can beat Daniel Cormier. I'm waiting on that next guy who can beat, oh, John Jones. That's, that's right. That's right. We, we 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 forgot about John Jones. But the question about John Jones is, can he stay drug-free? Can he stay away from the roids? That's a better question that to be left up to him at this point. But, Let's play devil's advocate here. What if he does come back? What if he does come up to the heavyweight division as rumored? And what if he does fight the Brock Lesnar's in a heavier, more robust Daniel Cormier? What will happen in that situation? I have my conjectures, but at this point, until... He actually gets back into the into the octagon and actually fights again. John Jones is an afterthought at this point. But the foremost thought in my mind is when will we see the fight between Daniel Cormier and Brock Lesnar? We all know Brock Lesnar came in the ring and pushed pushed Daniel Cormier almost to Reno. How hard he pushed him. I swear. I watched it. Synced it. It's funny. And then you see Daniel Cormier kind of play it off like he wasn't embarrassed. But if I got pushed all the way to Henderson, I would probably feel the same way. Just just putting it out there. You know? But also on that card, we saw an emergence of of just young superstars that are trying to emerge in, in, in this game. Wish we could have saw the fight between Brian Ortega and Max Holloway. I thought that would have been a great fight. And I hope that Max Holloway gets well soon. I hope we get to see that fight real soon. Um am I am I mad at Brian Ortega for not taking a a, a fight on short notice against another guy? Heck no. Why would you do that? Why would you put yourself in that situation? Dana White's asking you to do something that you shouldn't have done. That you that, that you were right in rejecting. Fighting another guy on a short notice. So what? I mean, you can rip the guy all you want to. Another thing about that card. Whoever Francis Ngannou fights again and fights the next time in the UFC... He better land more than 11 total shots in that fight. That was 13 total shots landed in that fight. 13. It was like I was saying a song and dance from a four-year-old recital. I felt so... 
there's so many adjectives I can use for that, but I just can't. I don't even know where to even start. It was horrible. It was boring. It was watching two bulls go around in circles at a steer wrestling at, a, at one of those steer one of those steer events, a four H event. That's what it. That's what it looked like. You had two grown men looking like bulls going around in circles at a four H at a four H event. I wonder who won first prize. Too soon? Sorry. Just just some thoughts. Just some thoughts. I mean going back even farther. LeBron James to the Lakers. Is he tired of chasing is he tired of chasing Michael's legend? Well, I mean, you were never chasing his legend to begin with, being that you're three and six in the NBA finals. So you're gonna go to the Lakers and you're gonna try to win four and five? How many tries is it gonna take you to chase championships, man? I think Charles Barkley has this one right. And I'm actually agreeing with Charles Barkley on something. That's weird. But Charles Barkley says you're you're chasing championships by going to the Lakers. It's really what you're doing is chasing championships. And I think everybody around here would agree. Everybody in the press box would agree. LeBron's legacy is complete. Is he the greatest player in the world? He's top five. He's the greatest player ever. He's the greatest regular season basketball player I've ever seen. He puts me in the mindset of a Peyton Manning in a sense. He can do everything during the regular season. He can get you through the first round, but can't he get you to the promised land? No. You have to have shots like Kyrie shot in game seven, 2015. You have to have game time shots like Ray Allen in game six. In 2013 or 2012. My thing is, this is no slight to LeBron. He's not a finisher. He's not a killer. You don't have that killer instinct like Michael and Kobe did. You don't have that in the drive like Isaiah did. And you're not humble enough to win championships like the big fundamental. Tim Duncan did. It's just, you're LeBron, and you've won three championships. I wonder what you would do as an executive. You'd probably be as bad as Phil Jackson. Just my thoughts. Just my thoughts. Going to take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're going to be talking some college football. Y'all stay tuned. Success in life comes when you simply refuse to give up. On a mission so strong that obstacles like failure and loss only act as motivation. I mean like, no one has the power to shatter your dreams. 
unless you give it to him. Yeah, I go from tragedy to majesty. The victory has been woven into my tapestry. My adversary's not cut from the same flag as me. That's why the champion's gonna be who it has to be. This ain't the type of opportunity that just appears. I made it here because I shed blood, sweat, and tears. To get the title I forever have my sights on. This is where I become an American icon. Fro. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We can listen to a little Marvin Gaye, a little MJ, while we chillin' in IMJ. I'm just trying to reach you, but 
Girl, I need you. Count on me. Count on me. There ain't nothing I do for you. Girl, you know that I adore you. Girl, you know I'm running for you. Count on me. Count on me. Count on me. Count on me. There ain't nothing I do for you. Vert Music 96.2 Smooth Groove Radio and also shout out to the to Mellow Uwe Mellow Uwe and Rapswell also to Marquise Wineglass Underground Sounds Ray Baker putting on those great music man for me for us man and also shout out to shout out to to everybody that's involved with this man the Live by Terrence Network I know I keep shouting them out, but can't help but shout out my man T-Rex, the admin Wendy, Casey Cordier doing their thing, man. We all doing it. So let's just jump right back into it, man. College football is up around the corner, and we talk about some hires. We talk about some fires. We talk about different Things that's involved, different controversies that we're talking, that we've been talking about here in the last few years, in the last few months, in the last couple of weeks. You know, with Arizona firing Rich Rod because of infidelity issues that he's had with with another employee of, of the University of Arizona, and them hiring Kevin Sumlin. We look at neighboring state school, Arizona State. Getting rid of probably one of the better coaches in Ty Graham and hiring Herm Edwards. I looked at that hire of Herm Edwards like I looked at the hire of Lovey Smith at Illinois a couple years ago. I thought it was a good idea at the time. And I still think it's a good idea because Lovey's starting to imprint what he wants to imprint on the program at Illinois. 
He's starting to get the recruits in Chicago from the Chicagoland area. He's starting to keep the in-state guys in-state. With the hire from Edwards, I look at that hire as the complete opposite, to be honest with you. I look at that hire as a what-the-world moment, so to speak, a why moment. And then you listen to him in the press conference, and you see why he's hired. He's there to change the culture of Arizona State football from being an also-ran to back to that elite status, back to Frank Cush status, back to back to that status that they had in the early 90s when you had great players like Jake Plummer, Pat Tillman, God rest his soul, so many more. He's even gone as far as changing the culture, bringing a professional-type atmosphere to a college team. Whereas his way of the highway, where he's reserving his right to rescind scholarships if he wants to. And you see such a turnover at Arizona State. Is it a good turnover? I think so. Will it parlay itself on the field? I think it will in the next couple of years. But Herm Edwards as your head coach. He's been in the ESPN studios so long, it makes me wonder, well, you never you never really stopped coaching because he never really had that. He never really stopped coaching to that coaching mind to begin with. But the point I'm trying to make is he comes from the NFL game where he's been in the NFL game. He's analyzed the NFL game so long. Can he come back? to the Pac-12, can he make an impact? Can he make a, a Chip Kelly kind of impact like like what's happening at at UCLA? Can he make that kind of impact that Chris Peterson made at Washington? Or Mike Leach at Washington State? Or Harbaugh did when he was at Stanford? And then you look at <clears throat> and then you look at the next coach behind him. All these all these questions are starting to lead into what we're going to talk about right now. Can Arizona State win six games? Will UCLA get back to that elite status like they were before? We're going to talk about some Pac-12 football right now. So, Here's my thing. Here's my thoughts on on the Pac-12. You've got some great quarterbacks out there. You have some schools that are that are that are changing quarterbacks because of graduation. You know, you lose the likes of Luke Falk. You lose the likes of Josh Rosen, uh, Sam Darnold. I mean, that list goes on and on. But then you got quarterbacks like Justin Herbert, who who's coming back from injury at Oregon. You got Jake Browning, who's a senior. It's in his swan song. Washington State has a quarterback that can possibly spin it. UCLA can lean on a guy like Dorian Thompson Robinson 
who's a true freshman who sat behind a certain guy, number 18 from Ohio State, two-time national player, national high school player of the year, and Tate Martell, who is still interjecting himself into that quarterback running at Ohio State. We'll get to him in just a moment. The question, though, the question is, who's going to be that team that's going to come out of the Pac-12 that I think that could they could really do a lot of good things. Simple. I think you got to look at the quarterback play. I think you look at the new head coach at Oregon, Mario Cristobal. Did not do well at Florida International. Did not do well as a head coach in his previous stints. But he's improved himself by stepping back, taking that firing like he did, and improved himself as a head coach. Do I think that this is going to be better a betterment for him at Oregon? I think this could be a really good thing for Oregon because you got a disciplinarian, you got a guy who loves playing up-tempo, who loves to slow it down just a tad bit as well. So you're going to have the best of both worlds with him, and he's also a great defensive mind. You got a guy like Jim Levitt as your defensive coordinator. Who's a tack style, who I thought could have been the head coach at Oregon, but they went a different route. You know, whatever have you. But you got to replace a guy like Royce Freeman. You've got the quarterbacks. You have young route receivers. But if you find that running back that can complement Justin Herbert and that and that that vertical passing game that you have with that attack-style defense, you'll look at a team that went from seven games won to possibly nine, maybe ten games won, even with a first-year head coach. I mean, that's how good this Oregon team can be. Washington's going to be the same way. Washington is youthful defensively. They lost they lost a lot of players off that, off that, defensive, off that defense. You know, Vita Vea was – the bell cow up in the middle. Washington State, you lose a leader in Luke Falk. You lose a leader at receiver. You lose a couple of great defensive players from a style defense that you had that you've really never seen at Washington State since the Lou Dober days of the early 2000s. So, that being said, Stanford's going to be status quo. Stanford's got three great quarterbacks that they can lean on. No more Keller Christ, who has transferred. But you have guys like Davis Mills, who's, who's come in. KJ Costello, who played very well. You have Bryce Love coming back as a senior. That's going to be your bell cow on offense. That's going to be the guy that's going to take the reins. And you've also got really good defense. So who do I think will win the Pac-12 North? Is it that obvious? I mean, am I being that obvious to everybody? It's by far Stanford. Stanford is the deepest of all of all the teams in the Pac-12 North. I really believe that when you look at the Pac-12 North as a whole, you really see depth. You really see 
a sense of pride, a sense of wanting to be that top division in the Pac-12. In, in the Pac-12, the Pac-12 South is. I mean, the Pac-12 South is stronger in a sense because you look at the blue bloods that are in that conference: the Arizona States, the Arizonas, the USC's. You know, Utah. Utah's gonna be pretty good. Um, with that useful receiving core and and the and a redshirt sophomore quarterback that was injured last year, but but gave you so much promise at times, was making those rookie mistakes. So, is it possible that Utah could slide in and win the South? It's possible, but the balls gonna have to roll roll down in a way that, you know, with who they play this year and looking at their schedule is going to be indicative of everything that they do. It's going to be indicative of how of how they look. Um, and that's the same thing with Colorado. You know, Mike McIntyre has done some great things at Colorado, and a lot of people think that he's on the hot seat. For what? I, I don't know. Um, you know, you go five and seven last year with a team that was just that was just very youthful. That was just very. They were coming together. They were trying to find their way uh, way through, and it just wasn't working for them at times. I mean, we look at we can look at the Khalil takes. We can look at we can look at the Khalil takes. We can look at. Um, at the um, Stephen Montezes and and players like that that are returning quarter starting quarterbacks this year, and we can also look at guys like Huntley from from Utah. You know, like I said, the DTRs of the world. You know, elite eleven quarterbacks who didn't play quarterback until a senior in high school. I mean, so there's limited there's limited. There's a limited, unlimited potential that is there that is untapped. So, will the South cannibalize itself like it always does in the past 12? It's very possible. That's if those quarterbacks step up and play the way that they played and improve upon what they've done the year before. Like the Steven Montezes, who threw for almost 3,000 yards. You know, those nine interceptions that he threw as opposed to 18 picks, that could have been easily 26 and 2. That could have been easily 20 and 20 and 7 or or what have you. You know, then you look at kids, you look at the, re- the receiving crew there. I mean, they've got some great players at Colorado that can that can step up and can be those can be that can be that good. Am I saying that Colorado has a chance to win the South? Not saying that. But what I am saying is you look at Kevin Sumlin, you look at the offense that he runs, you look at the way you look at his look at his defenses. Well, you can't really look at the defenses that he's that he's had at, at Texas and them. Okay, yeah, you can, but the last few defense, the last few years' defenses 
don't look at those, you know, just overlook those. But look at what he did prior to the last two years before all the turmoil happened at, at A&M with the defense. He had a very stout defense with a really good quarterback and a really good running game. And then you had receivers. Then you had receivers like like um like the tight end from um the Buccaneers. Um cannot remember his name right now. <laughs> but you know, you have you have guys like him. Guys like Ryan Swope, you know, little guys, you know, that were professionally speaking, if you looked at them, they were like Julian Edelman type guys or grunk type guys. Well, he wasn't really grunk like. He was just really tall and really, really slender that can just go get the ball. But that's that's past the point, what I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that Kevin Sumlin is a is a coach's coach. He's a player's coach. Will he continue the culture that that Rich Rod had at, at Arizona? I think you're going to see a, 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 a still up tempo offense, but I think you're going to see it streamlined and slower. It's going to be, dare I say, dumbed down a little bit. Where you're going to see like a lot of fly patterns. You're going to see a lot of a lot of um, Screens. You're gonna see a lot of slot screens. You're gonna see a lot of a lot of things that you shouldn't see that that you would see, that you see all the time. Sure, but the thing about it is, can Khalil Tate be that quarterback that can throw the ball as well as run? Can he throw the ball as well as he runs? I think that's the better question. I mean, he, you threw you threw for over fifteen hundred yards. You're gained over fourteen hundred yards on the ground. So can you be that that true dual threat quarterback that you would need in someone's system? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 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 I, I don't I don't I don't see it happening. I, I really don't. But then again, stranger things have happened. You know, it's the same thing with Utah. Utah, you know, there's still gonna be that that three that three yards in a cloud of dust, that old school run the ball and then hit you over the top type team. Still gonna be doing that. USC, status quo. You know, they lose they, they, they lose a couple players off teams, but they reload just as fast as they they reload just as fast as they rebuild. And it's not even a rebuild process here. With USC, it's more of a, can we find a quarterback that can play the way that they need to play? Now you got guys that have come in pretty early, JT Daniels, who reclassified himself, the former modern day quarterback, reclassified himself and was in for spring. Looked really good in the spring, by the way. You have another guy who was a Elite Eleven quarterback in Jack Sears, who looked pretty good in practice. But then you got a guy like Matt Fink who's been in the program, and then he's a third-year sophomore. So if I'm going to look at anybody that's going to take over 
this this program at the quarterback position at USC. I'm going to look at Matt Fink. I'm going to look at guys like Stephen Carr at running back. I'm going to look at guys like like a Michael Pittman Jr. who can who can who can catch the ball. I'm going to look at guys like Amon Ross St. Brown. This is the guy. His brother plays at at Notre Dame. Another modern day guy. He's already college ready right now. I think he's going to come in from day one. He's going to be that guy. He's going to be the guy. And of all the Brown bro- the St. Brown brothers, he is by far the fastest. He is by far the most complete athlete. And if you know anything about Southern California football and high school football in California, coming from modern day in that Trinity League, with JT playing with JT Daniels and playing with playing with JT Daniels, playing against the St. John Boscos. Um, we look at look at those look at those teams that, that they look at those players they have. St. Brown was college ready last year as a high school senior. Very smart kid, very smart as a whip, speaks five languages. Yes, he speaks five languages and he's only eighteen years old. He's a straight A student, and he runs a sub four four forty. Think he's like a four three four two four three guy in the forty. And he's gonna come in. He's gonna give you everything he's got from day one. That's scary. Then we look at the the, the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Marvell Tail is probably one of the best free safeties that nobody talks about. At Southern California, we look, I look at him. I see him make over eighty something tackles last year. You know, had a, had a few interceptions last year. A really hard hitter, but he's not he's not the hitter that that you had before with Taylor with um. He's not the hitter that you had before. You know when you had um when you had those those hard hitting safeties back there in, in that backfield a few years ago Taylor Mays and um and that crew you, you don't see that are they getting back to being a linebacker you at um USC it's very possible they've got a couple guys that are coming in on this year's class that I think will will probably show themselves next year. We'll probably get the red shirt this year that can play and play very, very well at that at those positions. So that being said, who do I think will win the South? By far, I think USC has all the talents, all the makings of being a really good team to win the South. But don't put don't Look past, don't look past uh, Arizona, don't look past Utah. And who could really be a sleeper in this? I mean, don't count out Colorado. Colorado's put together a pretty good recruiting class as well, and some of those players are going to end up playing early as well. So, you know, you got a lot of experience at Colorado. You got you're reloading at USC. Can USC be that playoff team that? that they should have been 
the last couple of years? It's quite possible, but you still got schools like Oklahoma who's going to be knocking down that door. You still got schools like Texas that's going to open up some eyes this year because you're going to have a two quarterback system at Texas. You know, you look at the bit, you look at the Big Twelve like we're about to do right now. We look at the Big Twelve. We look at we look at every we look at everything that that's around us. I like Stanford. I like USC. Who do I think will win the win the Pac-12? Stanford wins the Pac-12 only because I think they've got better quarterback play. They've got the better running game with Bryce Love, and they've got the better defense. They're more stout on defense than USC is, but I like the defensive backfield for US, for USC as opposed to the to Stanford. Just I and and all that they play each other on September eighth. So <laughs> so I mean this could be a rematch. I mean and um and I I I'm looking at that game. As a litmus test for USC, you know, you got UNLV starting off on the first. Then you go to Stanford, and that's an eight o'clock game. No matter what you what you think, that's an eight o'clock game. That's your ultimate litmus test. And then you go to Texas. Once again, I bring up Texas because Texas is going to be one of those teams that's going to be vying for a big upset that need that. Is desperately looking for that signature win that they haven't had in a long time. So USC can be that team that can be that litmus test, that 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 lightning rod for for Coach Herman and and the Texas Longhorns. So that's why I, that's why I, I'm stressing the early season schedule for them is very 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 difficult. First five, first five games out. I mean, you're facing the you're facing the stout Stanford team. You're you're at Stanford. You go on the road and you face you face uh, Texas, and then you come back and you're at home on a Friday night to Washington State, and then you go to Arizona before your off week. How I mean, your first five games is absolutely. Unbelievably difficult. I don't care how difficult your schedule is. This is the probably the the, the most difficult five game stretch of any team in the Pac-12, and I, I, I will say that proudly. <laughs> if they can get through that four and one, that minefield at four and one, they they have done something that I didn't think that they could do. Period. So Stanford USC, they'll rematch from their week two their week two matchup, I do believe. And that's about all I got to say about that. We're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're gonna talk some Pac twelve football. We're gonna talk some Big Twelve football, not Pac twelve. Be right back. Stay tuned. Yeah. 
never met a nigga like me, my nigga like me, my nigga. You ain't never seen a bitch like this, my nigga like this, my nigga. You ain't smoking on a pack like this, my nigga like this, my nigga. You ain't never rolled in a Lambo like this, Lambo like this. You ain't never rolled in a Lambo like this, Lambo like this. You ain't never rolled in a Lambo like this, Lambo like this. You ain't never seen a bitch like this, my nigga like this, my nigga. Yeah. He ain't never met a nigga like me, my nigga. Met a nigga like me, you a lie. You a lie. If you smoking like me, then you high. I'm you high. about 13 freaks tonight. Uh, so many bitches hit uh, it like uh, a freak. Uh, Collide. Uh, she finna swallow my peanut collider. The way I throw the D, she gon' need a massage. She wake up tomorrow, my hangover got her. We party from Vegas, the rain on the bottom. We do a bit, cause life is a bitch. It'll eat you alive like a sneak. Yeah, for rhyming to sneak, cause I got him released into autumn. And you ain't even seen him, and you ain't even got him. I'm not a rapper, I'm a rock star. I'm, a rock star. I'm not a rapper, I'm a rock star. I'm a rock star. And if you see me in the Lambo, rip it, rip it. I got a bitch with a top off. You ain't never met a nigga like me, my nigga like me, my nigga. You ain't never seen a bitch like this, my nigga like this, my nigga. You ain't smoking on a pack like this, my nigga like this, my nigga. You ain't never rolled in a Lambo like this, Lambo like this. You ain't never rolled in a Lambo like this, Lambo like this, like this. You ain't never rolled in a Lambo like this, a Lambo like this. You ain't never seen a bitch like this, my nigga like this, my nigga. You ain't never met a nigga like me, my nigga. I ain't never rolled in a Lambo. I bitch dance on the stage named Lambo. Running around drum that Lambo. I'm like Lambo. Dick to the dough, hit the scale in the blow. Now we running that quarterback scramble. I don't hit it with the fork, but a knife in the pirate. Young nigga trapping out of bando. Turn one, twenty six to a two fifty two. Worth the risk. I could win me a Lambo. Don't wanna be in love, I could pay for affection. White girl, awkward to handle. Ten show for the twenty nine to two hundred bands. Book a show, drop fifty two at the hotel. Rock two in one night, then the cook wanna put cut the microwave on while we at the hotel. I say I don't get tax. Don't you see, you can look around the world, still never find another me. With that said, I'ma rip off heads. Whoever running shit, then I break y'all legs. I'm just trying to make hits like baseball players. On the way to the top, just a few more stairs. Jake.
signals. Wherever you take it, girl, I'ma roll with ya. Said lately been dissing all on my own business. But girl, believe me, I swear I'm done with these old, you know. Well, damn, but maybe not. For life, cause then again, there's gotta be a reason. I get jealous when you mention friends. Well, picture perfect, baby, let's pretend. That this is now and now it's really then. Now when again I go. Searching for you, so can't you see the fire? Robin steady burning for you to make it clear that I got more than a yearning for you. I'm just so when you see me as someone that's perfect for you, say that I'm worth it for you. And when I find you, I'll be the first to remind you that what we live in is timeless. And by the time we were winding, I swear, start to see that it's one hell of a life. And we finished on it off with one hell of a You're the one I can't seem to find But look up, you can see me now among the sky On the horizon, it's searching for you among the highs You got me feeling like I'm always running out of time Or maybe out my mind, playing my part again If life again, will you shuffling up my cards again Reading your signs, so I'm finna follow my heart again Rolling through traffic like I've been passing the cards you in You got me looking back It's like you're moving away in back of my I'm staying focused and trying to send you my So for the future, what's my chance of being? And I can promise you only getting the best of mine You got what's worthy of really putting the rest aside The inner beauty to sell a woman is best to find The funny thing is that girl, you something I'm yet to find Put me on repeat, feeling like the street. Owe me one for triggers, I don't pull out of shit. I don't took, got me stepping. 
the ladder while they pulling in my foot. Nigga cramps and I see food. They wanna do it like we do, but they capping. And we really get it cracking like the seafood. Hand smoke with the best up on they choke, cause we don't put in the motherfucking jacket smoking drop off a soda can. Nigga really hope we're seeing that with the kids. Just to hold a nigga down, cause I'm jumping like a poker stick. You don't want a second hand brody in the cook with the lighter just in case you got a fire ass. A little pump, Uzi Vert, say K and Max hit it. I spray rounds in the hat, twist it. Mama's crying cause niggas laying dogs, slipping the cats missing. And that's how we rockin' all 2018. Me and my big brother. Scrap dude like a crack dummy. All black, mad dude. Ready, going crash on.
containers with pacifiers. We gon' keep this thing going like the mission last fire. The whole world know we better than alright. Who worry about an elephant? We gon' speak by you. I'm back for you, yeah, you can be too. Spike dancing, Martin Washington, just name on And my boy Collins Rogers and his game back in. The tailgate crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. I also want to give a special shout out to CC Vance for IMU certified natural hair products for all. Visit her at her website at www.imu and that's you with two U's dot com. Also, a special shout out to my man No Love Stu and also to all the fans of the Live by Terrence Network and all of you who are listening to this show, thank you. Once again, the man, the man is back, and we're talking some we're talking some college football, and we're gonna jump into the Big Twelve, and very 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 excited to talk about the Big Twelve because we're gonna be talking about we're talking about some things that that's kind of kind of not bothersome, but kind of on my kind of on the proverbial mind of the main event. So we have a guy in Colin Murray who is projected to be the starting quarterback at at the University of Oklahoma this year. And he also went number 9 in the MLB draft and he just signed a $5 million bonus, which is guaranteed money, to sign with the Oakland A's. They're going to allow him to play for the Oklahoma football team. A lot of people are really, really, really wondering why is he playing football at this point. I think I know why he wants to play football. I think 
for a guy like Kyler Murray, who's who's had a storied career from high school, from his high school years at Allen High School, winning three straight championships, going going an astounding T-Rex, astounding forty nine and zero as a football player at Allen High School and making deep runs as a baseball player, as a slick fielding infielder for the Allen High School baseball team. He since made the transition from being a slick fielding infielder to being one of the best center fielders in all of college baseball, hitting hitting double digits in home runs, over 40 RBIs, 12 doubles, six triples, stolen bases. This is a guy who has world-class speed, could have been a track athlete, but he likes to run around in circles and he likes to run around straight lines and letting guys try to kill him if, when they can hit him. And he can throw the ball pretty good, too, in both genres. Throwing baseball pretty far, throwing a football with great touch. Here's a guy. I I'm often remiss myself in in wondering why he wants to play football after getting paid so much. Maybe it's for the love of the game. Maybe he doesn't want to give up the college career just just yet. Maybe he doesn't want to give up the college lifestyle because he does love the college lifestyle. This is a guy who's also on track to graduate in December. And he's also on track to being one of the best young talents that we've seen come out of the state of Texas since Clayton Kershaw. So, what's all the fuss, you say? Well, Kyler Murray is probably projected to be the starter, starting quarterback on the Oklahoma team that with the greatest walk-on to ever play the game of football, Baker Mayfield, leading them down the field to near victory against Georgia and probably one of the greatest Rose Bowl games ever played. This Oklahoma team that is not only, they're not reloading, they're just stocking back up. Lincoln Raleigh taking over from, from Bob Stoops First year there, gets them to the playoff semifinals and almost gets them to a national championship game. What first-year head coach does that? And this is a guy who just, he just, he gets it. He gets it. He's the ultimate player's coach, but he's also got the respect of the team as a whole. No doubt about it. We look at some of the players that got coming back. You know, Austin Kendall, who's a guy who's pushing Kyler Murray for for that spot as starting quarterback. Michael Jones is, is back for his junior year. Rodney Anderson played very well last year, second team all big twelve running back. Um Marquise Brown, another another great great uh, receiver. Jaqueline Crawford, who who's a guy who's can 
who's going to see some action. He's in for the spring. Texas guy, flat out fly. Do I think he'll play early? I think he'll play some. I think he'll play as a true. I think he'll probably be end up being a returner. Um, if 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 it was up to me, Jaquelin Crawford, that's what he would be for me. And then you got a guy in Grant Capitera who is just one of those guys who can who you can put in the slot as a tight end. <clears throat> you put in the slot as a tight end, he can burn the safeties over the middle. He's got that kind of speed. He's also that good of a player. And then you look at the flip side, and you look at the defensive side of the ball. We're looking at probably one of the better defenses in the Big 12 when they're not giving up when they're not giving up 50 and 60 points to high-scoring teams, um, to these high-scoring teams in the Big 12. You know, the Big 12 is starting to be starting to look like the Big East basketball conference, in a sense. I mean. Because you see all these ga- all these games be high scoring, plenty of offense, but you have no defense being played. So you can't really say that that there's a great defense in o- at Oklahoma because you don't really see defense. You see all this offensive play and and everything. So and they don't know how to tackle. That's that's part of the problem. But I digress. So. Looking at Oklahoma's schedule, I mean, Oklahoma has a pretty easy schedule uh, leading up to October 6th, which is the big was the big test for them um, at Texas. Iowa State's also a good also a good litmus test for them as well. They're going to be avenging a loss to Iowa State. <laughs> uh, they're going to be trying to avenge a loss to Iowa State. A loss to Iowa State. Iowa State is also my dark horse here in the, in the Big 12. And the reason why I say they're a dark horse because they're that good. Um, looking at uh, getting back to the Oklahoma schedule, you know, the litmus test going up, going to Dallas, playing, playing Texas off week, and then you have the gauntlet of games that you have in that lead in to the to the Pac to the Big Ten champ, Big Twelve championship game, not Pac twelve, not Big Ten, the Big Twelve. So looking to that lead up, I mean you're at TCU, you have to go to Texas Tech. You have Bellum at home this year, but you have to make that long trip to, to Morgantown, and that Morgantown weather on during during Thanksgiving weekend. Not the best weather in the world to be playing in. So, looking at that from that standpoint, I look at Oklahoma. Can they have the success that they had last year? Not with the improving teams that you have in the in the in the Big Twelve. I mean, everybody's looking up to you. Everybody's wanting to not not the big team from from Norman down. Question is, what teams going to pull the upset? of Oklahoma like everybody's been doing here the last few years. So I think Oklahoma has to play within themselves. If they find if if Kyler Murray can be the Kyler Murray that we know that he can be, 
He's gonna be really, really. He's gonna be really good. He's gonna be really, really good. They're gonna be really difficult to knock off. But we look at look at the aforementioned Texas, and we see their schedule as compared to Oklahoma's in their in their opening in their opening weeks of the season. I mean, this is probably the toughest schedule. Of any team in the big in the Big Twelve, you're at Maryland, who was a bowl, who was co- who was very close to being a bowl team, and is on the cusp of being that that second tier Big Ten school under DJ Durkin, who pulled an upset of Texas last year. You got Tulsa. Tulsa is not going to be a pushover. USC at home. After that classic that they had last year in L.A., I can see this being the same kind of kind of game. You're at you're home to TCU the next week. Then it don't get no easier because you got to go to Manhattan after that, and then you have Oklahoma in Dallas, and then you have a bit of a break at Baylor, at home to Baylor, before you have an off week, and then again you have a gauntlet of games after that as well. You're at Oklahoma State, you're at Texas Tech, and you're at Kansas to end. The, you're at Kansas to end the season, along with home dates with West Virginia and Iowa State. This this is a difficult schedule. Can can Texas win the Big Twelve off this schedule? Can they get into the Big Twelve championship game just based off this schedule? It's gonna be very difficult for them to to. It's gonna be very, very difficult for them to get into the Big Twelve Championship game. I think once you get those recruits to, to come in, and once you you settle on a quarterback, whether it's Sam Buchel or Sam Ellinger, Ellinger, you you have to put your you have to put your trust in, in into that offense for for each one of those guys. Then you have the de- the, the defense that you have at Texas. It's a little bit it's a little bit of a question mark because you don't know what you're gonna get from from week to week because again you play in the high scoring conference but you don't have the depth that you need at certain positions which is the problem at Texas is depth but did Charlie Strong leave the cover on Bear when he when he got fired of course not the recruiting class that he brought in was it good. Of course it was. I mean, look at the guys he brought in. I mean, the the Tanel Carter, the Daniel Jones, uh, Carter, who's a um, Tanel Carter who played who played last year, um, Daniel Jones who played a little bit last year, um, Gerard Hurd, you know, still still in the mix, and then you have a Trey Watson who's a cow transfer, a grad transfer, and you look at look at that running back room. At Texas, this is a really deep running back room on the offensive side of the ball. Defense side of the ball, not so much. I mean, then you then you're replacing probably one of the best punters in Michael Dixon, who was a game changer himself. So, with that being said, can Texas be be that that number two team to go into to go into the Big Twelve championship game? It's very difficult, and it's going to be very difficult to to say that because you still got you still got the teams like like the TCUs still have the teams 
like, I mean, you still have the TCUs. You still have the um, the West Virginians to deal with. And this West Virginia team is no pushover either. They probably have one of the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Will Greer, who I think is on that short list of Heisman Trophy candidates. David Seals, who who could very well be, you know, one of the best receivers and should have won a Belitnikoff Award last year, in my opinion, coming back, along with a great, great group of guys in in the secondary for, for West Virginia. The West Virginia's secondary is going to carry, going to carry that defense. I think once you get once you get the experience that you have up front, um, Reese Donahue, who's been there a couple of times, who's been who's been there a few years, David Long, who's been there a few years uh, at linebacker, Reese Donahue, who is who is your your bell cow at um, a defensive end. I mean, you've got a lot of players that can play. They can play here, but they don't have the experience. Can West Virginia be that team to shock the world and and get into the Big Twelve championship game? I, I can see I can see them doing it, but they're gonna need a lot of help. They're gonna need a lot of help, and they're gonna need the ball roll their way to get eight nine to get the eight nine maybe ten wins. That's gonna that's gonna require for them to get to get into that into that Big Twelve championship game. I mean, you, then you look at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is losing, lost a lot of guys. They lost a great quarterback in in, um, in Mason Rudolph. They lost lost a great receiver in um, in Washington. I mean, so you're looking at a guy. You're looking at guys who are coming back in. That's gonna that's gonna have to carry the mantle. Tyler Cornelius, who who's pretty who's a pretty good quarterback. Uh Drew Brown, who's who's a graduate transfer from Hawaii, who I think could possibly be that guy, that next guy up. Spencer Sanders is a guy who is a true freshman that's gonna come in and will he will he bring something to the table? Can he bring something to the table? Um I know what Drew Brown can do. Um, playing in North Child offense, playing in playing the offense. You know, first year with North Norm Child. Next year, you know, new new coach and, and Rolovich. So we're looking at we're looking at a rebuild of sorts at Oklahoma State or a changeover, uh, uh, so to speak, at, at Oklahoma State. Can they be that team that can give you ten wins like they did last year? I don't think they'll give you ten wins like they did last year, but I don't think that they're gonna fall off so far to where they can't be a threat. I think um, you look at Oklahoma State, you look at their, you look at what they can do on the offensive side of the ball. When they have the right people in, in, in the system, and yes, I do call it a system because that's what it is. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that have that have come out of Oklahoma State and seeing what kind of success they've made at the next level. 
like like the Brandon Wheatons, like the Zach Robinsons, like the um the um Mason Rudolphs of the world. I mean, you don't see them in the league, but you see Mason Rudolph getting his chance. Can he can he break that mold? Very, very, very difficult to say. And you know, good luck to him. Right, that's, that's pretty much all I can say. Now you look at a K State team again. K State is a, is in the same boat as as Oklahoma State. Very difficult schedule. They they're home to Mississippi State. They have UTSA at home. Um, you know Texas at home, Oklahoma State at home. You know they have they have the likely schedule because they have all the home dates with all the big boys. But Bill Snyder. 79 years old almost, still coaching, still the same guy that we all know and love. With the kind of recruiting that he's done, this could be a better team than people think simply because of what the coaches, what the coaches are. And what the coaches are, they're, they're teachers, they're, they're motivators. They make things happen when the team doesn't want to make things happen. They will their, they will their guys to victory at times. I've seen them hang their heads when they were down four, four and five points, and those, those coaches willed them to win. That's the kind of team, that's the kind of coach that Bill Snyder is. And I think when you look at at K State, do I think that they that they get into the the Big Twelve Championship game? No. Will they get into a better bowl game? Of course, they're always making to a bowl game. Do I think they win seven eight games this year? Of course. But do they have the manpower to win nine ten games? Of course not. I don't think it's going to happen. Not this year anyway. Maybe next year, but not this year. And they've, and they've got a great recruiting class coming in as well. But the dark horse in this whole conference, and the reason why I call them a dark horse is because we look at Iowa State, we look at what they did with a quarterback changing him into a linebacker in Joel Lanning. Joel Lanning leads the Pac-12 in, in, in tackles, also has a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown, and <laughs> – a defensive touchdown, all in the same freaking game. So when you can do that, and then you do that over the course of a season as well, and you will your team to victory, and you willed your team to beat Oklahoma at Oklahoma when they were riding high, being a, being that number one, number two team in the country at that point in time. This is a team under Matt Campbell that everybody thought they could be. They're getting the recruits that they want. They're starting to out-recruit even Iowa in in in-state recruiting. They're starting to become the true number two school in that state, whereas it was a go-between between them and Northern Iowa as who was the number two school in the state. Iowa State, new facilities, you know, they have the new facilities going up, new football facility. 
that's open this summer. Uh, they're about to get started on on another expansion to the stadium um, as well. And one of the cool facts about about Iowa State is this. And it's a little off subject, but no, it's still Iowa State. Did you know that Iowa State, the stadium, is named after a black man who was a World War One veteran who died in World War One? Bet a lot of people didn't know that. And that's a rarity that you have a stadium that's not an HBCU. You have a stadium that's named after a black man, and he's actually got his own statue outside the stadium as well. But that that was a bit of of uh, information there, you know that I thought was pretty cool. So there, I gave it to you. Sue me. But getting back to Iowa State, Matt Campbell, what he did at Toledo was nothing short of amazing. The guy comes from a, comes from. He comes from a program where he played at Mountain Union, where he played under the cares under the under uh, Larry Cares. He he played with one of the Cares sons, so you already know what kind of a what kind of education he got at Mountain Union. You already know what kind of football education he got at Mountain Union at this point. Iowa State is a dark horse. They can go in and they can beat anybody at any given time. And they, they're they fearless. They are fearless. They find a quarterback in Kyle Kemp last year, and he's back for a senior year. You've got a really good running back who could possibly be could possibly be one of the top top three, four running backs in the nation. And David Montgomery, you know, you don't talk about him much because he does it in a quiet way. He's not a flashy running back. He's not a Bryce Love. He's not a Saquon Barkley. He's not any of those guys. He's David Montgomery. He was a first-team All-Big 12 running back last year. I mean, and he was that way for a reason because he did out and he did his job, you know. You you lose a court, you lose a receiver, you lose receivers, um, you lose a receiver like uh, Alan Lazard to the NFL, Marche Murdoch, Trevor Ryan. You know those were part of your those were part of your core four uh, receivers. But now you have guys that can. They, now you have guys that has to step up. Young guys who played, young guys who who got targeted, young guys who who looked good when they were targeted. So. We have to look at we have to look at this in a, in a sense that the cup is not unbear at Iowa State. It's just bits and pieces haven't been used. Plates hadn't been hadn't been used yet. Forks and knives hadn't been used yet. And I use the utensil analogy with Iowa State because they're youthful this year. And they're only going to get better as the years go by. So as you add pieces to an already good team, and you add better pieces, you add more enhanced pieces to to that puzzle, 
Matt Campbell's got something special going on at, at Iowa State that we really need to pay attention about. We really need to pay attention to. And I know, I know my man, <laughs> I know my man Tony Milford wouldn't agree with me on this, but dare I say, three, four years down the line, Iowa State could possibly be that elite team in the Big 12 without all the controversy that Baylor had. It's very possible. And and I and I really believe that. Not not other people wouldn't believe wouldn't think me think of me like that, but it's the truth. This could be that team if the ball rolls right, they get the recruits that they need, they start getting into those New Year's bowl games, they start getting into you know, getting late in the season and they're starting to make noise in the conference, this is a team that could possibly start getting in those four and five star recruits. You know, start getting in those Texas guys that that you can get because you you recruit Texas very well, you recruit Illinois very well, you also recruit the Midwest very well. So with that being said, Iowa State is on the cusp of doing something very very great. Do I think that they'll be like I said? Do I think they'll be a a team to be reckoned with? In the next couple of years, yes. And that's the same thing with Texas Tech. We look at Texas Tech. We look at the the players they got at Texas Tech. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of good players at Texas Tech. And there's no way they should have been six and seven last year <clears throat> with the talent that they have. With the talent that they have. There, there was no way that they should have went six and seven last year. No way. But you're breaking in a new quarterback in McLean Carter. Played a little bit last year. Jet Duffy. Played a little bit last year. Jet Duffy was supposed to be that guy that was supposed to take the reins over from from Patrick Mahomes. That hasn't panned out just yet because of disciplinary issues and because of other things, um, injuries, disciplinary issues, then losing the semester of school because of a Title IX uh, violation where he was accused of rape. So, I mean, so Jet Duffy is a guy who's very talented as a dual-threat quarterback. He's behind the eight ball a little bit. Because you have a guy like McLean Carter who is a big body who can who's got a hose on him. And he can move a little bit. So with the with the receivers that they have at their disposal, the Seth Collins who uh is a grad transfer from from uh Oregon State, who looked really, really good as a receiver um at Oregon State. And you know was not a bad quarterback either. He just had to make the move that was necessary for him to be a team player. But T.J. Vasher was there last year. Um, he played he played 13 games as a true um, as a redshirt freshman. I'm sorry, 
Um, Antoine Wesley, who uh, played last year, um, did not get the catches that, that you would normally see. Um, you know, you lose a lot off that. Off, you lose a lot of receivers off that passing game. Nick Shimnick, who threw for almost four thousand yards. You know, you, you lost a lot of players, uh, a lot of downfield players. Now you have a guy like Seth Collins coming in who can be that vertical threat and can go up and catch it. Uh, T.J. Vasher, who is your most experienced receiver coming back, um, along with Antoine Wesley, along with uh, Quan Shorts and Trey King, who who is more or less a running back uh, catching balls out of the backfield. But I would not be surprised if you see him move to that slot receiver position as well. The guy can play. The guy can play. And I actually watched the Texas Tech spring game, and I saw how they how they how they're utilizing him. They're utilizing him as a running back. They're utilizing him as a slot receiver. They're utilizing him, you know, as as a decoy to, uh, fullback and handing him the ball as a fullback. You know. Or they're putting him in motion and running a jet sweep with him. I mean, he's a he's a very very good guy to have. He's a very versatile guy. The Texas guy. Then we look at Baylor. Oh, how how have the mighty fallen? You you would think that a program like Baylor or athletic department like Baylor would have learned from the Patrick Dennehy tragedy, would have learned from the sexual the sexual harassment charges in the in the late nineties. Here it is all again, full circle. Matt Rule, I feel sorry for the guy. I really do. Because I really feel sorry for for Matt Rule. And it's hard for me to to say this because you want to root for Baylor because for, for so long, they were they were a doormat, you know, and you look at them now, the struggles that they're having internally with faculty, internally with the athletic department, internally with football players. Leaving in and out the Jared Sidhams, the um, and and the other players that, that have left. It's very hard to watch a team, watch players who have transferred in, watch people who have left the program who had so much talent, enhanced talent. Come and go from that from that program is it, it, I don't want to call it disheartening. I don't want to call it 
bad. But it's it's unfortunate. I guess that's the better word of using. Unfortunate. And hopefully Baylor this time writes the ship. People often ask me, uh, people have asked me, what do I think the disciplinary actions for Baylor should be? And my initial thought was maybe they should give them the SMU penalty, death penalty. Or maybe they should drop football. Which would be unprecedented. Maybe they should do other things. Maybe they should suspend the football operation. Maybe they should suspend all athletics. Or maybe they should do a complete overhaul of the entire of the entire athletic department. Start anew. On new coaches, new coaching staffs. I mean, does this include the Baylor basketball team, the Baylor baseball team? Not necessarily, but I just think that there needs to be an overhaul of something. I mean, something needs to change at at Baylor, and I, I just don't know what. I just don't know what. It's, it's a sad set of affairs, and... But with that being said, I mean, looking at their schedule, I mean, they have a chance to win six, seven games, six at the most. I don't even think they're gonna get. I don't even think they're gonna get six wins. They have, um, they have the ability to get six wins. But with as many people, as many teams, as many guys that have that have left. Then you look at, at a guy like Charlie Brewer, who comes in late Travis guy. You look at Jalen Hurd, who transferred from Tennessee, who sat out last year. You look at um, you look at some other players who have come in. You know, as big time recruits, the Jonathan Lovitz of the world. The Jamichael Hasties, who was really, really, who was really, really good high school player. I just, I don't know what to say, but I can say this: the one and two players that are going to be, um, the one and two teams that I think that are going to be there in the end. I'm going to go with Oklahoma, and I'm going to go with Texas. I, I, I think those are the two teams with the most experience. I think those are the two teams that have the most that have the, have the most that will come back. And if Texas can, if Texas can definitely find a quarterback and stick with them, they're going to be very, they're going to be great. But. So I'm going to go with Texas, Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma will win the Big 12. I think Oklahoma gets into the playoffs, and it'll be 
uh, Kyler Murray Swan song. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and take a station break. We'll be right back. We're going to close out the show. Y'all stay tuned. Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. Want to give a special, uh, once again, a special shout out to Vert Music 96.2 Smooth Groove Radio and also the CC Vance for IMU Certified Natural Hair Products for All. 
visit her visit her at www.imu and that's you with two u's dot com also a special shout out to the live by chance network the live by chance network family um shout out to casey and cordier uh also um special shout out to a close friend and a close confidence uh, shout out to to one of the one of the pioneers of of hip hop in the Columbus, Georgia area. Um it's been a year since you've been gone, man, but wanna shout you out anyway, man. Jason Monica, aka Psych Pacino. Miss you, bro. And wish you were still here, man, giving us great music. Giving me great laughs. Never got to thank you and thank you and uh and black savage black Terrence Selden and uh the boss lady Monica uh Monica Brewer also B three uh for Marquise Wineglass, Ray Baker, all you guys welcome me into the Columbus hip hop community as if we were already family, as if we were already one of our own. I was one of y'all's own. And Cypacino was the very first person to do that, man. And for that, I am forever grateful. I am forever indebted to you. And wish you were still here, man. I really do miss you very, very much. And I know you're giving God some some good laughs. I know you're giving God all the praise, all the glory. And I just, like I said, man, I just wish you were still here with us. But I know God wanted you to do his work. Um, also, man, special shout out to Underground Sounds, Ray Baker, um, Marquise Wineglass, Nina Monet. Um, special shout out to Janice Lissette, who uh, recently, uh, who is going to be doing her first show soon. So, um, a special shout out to you as well. Also, um, we ain't that far from from football season, y'all. So, y'all go out, y'all support y'all local teams, y'all support y'all's y'all's local players, man. Because you never know which when that next player is gonna be that that player that's gonna be gonna be uh that next perfect that next great professional. So, um, go out and support your local teams. Go out and support your local high schools. And um, with that being said, man, everybody have a great, great week. Let's go tailgating. Oh, yeah, Connor Cassidy. Yeah, we all got dreams, bro. We all got dreams. I feel you're someone that's not only concerned with what's happening right now, but with your legacy as well. Um, What is the legacy to you? I change the world and I have fun doing it. Veronica, we all got dreams. I keep a Veronica, we all got dreams. Hey, I keep a Veronica, we all got dreams. I keep a Veronica, we all got dreams. Right? I keep a Veronica, we all got dreams. I keep a
y'all. The way I see it, it's only me and my team. Motivated by pictures of places I've never been. It's gonna leave the city and searching some better things. My fam and a couple dollars, that's all that's left in my jeans. Ain't accepted by nothing, we gunning by any means. Wide awake on the surface inside, I'm living this dream. Of going city to city with stories of what I've seen. Lost in the translation, the mind of a human being. I'm riding on life's pavement and trying to find what it means. Fighting for something stronger than bottles of Jimmy Bean. Study the moves of legends from Bob Marley to Queens. But drawing my inspiration from Rage Against the Machine. Sawn as a motivation and fueling my self-esteem. Could have been stationary instead on stations I scheme. Brought myself on a road to becoming something I've seen. It's just the sound of a gentleman getting after his dreams. Run it. <laughs> Run it booth right now. Run it. Run it. Tell C you're gonna have to turn that loud down. <laughs> uh. Uh. What? Gentlemen getting after his dream. Run it. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. Boy, I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. Yeah, I keep it rolling cause we all got. I keep it rolling cause we all got. Let's take it back to 09. Walking for Arizona's cause none of us have rides Simple minded some stoners, we got nothing but time Now don't it sound bad? I'm talking back when Cuddy was the soundtrack Pursuit of happiness playing, just let it breathe I'm kicking back with my people, I swear it's all that I need Endless vibe on a planet of simply being at ease Started searching for freedom and ended up in the trees I say it is nothing hardly that's replicating in a field Party until the AM with rhythm turning the wheels The trials of adolescence, they hella sacred for real From the way that I'm feeling, it's like I'm living, I'm still We born to carry the mission, carrying our tradition Introducing what's missing, and young minds that are lifted I throw myself on the road of living by higher means This just the sound of me getting after my dreams, run it Keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. Keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. Check. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. Keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. Keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. Check it out. Hey. Uh. So my mama, I'ma be a potter before a leader. Let me explain. I'ma use these two hands to create my dreams and begin to fill with the people. I'm out of Caesar. Without the plot, lead enough. 